Heartfelt Medium Show, a podcast that empowers and inspires you to connect with your own spiritual truth. Hi, I'm Rochelle Gaiman, and I'm an author, psychic medium, speaker, and I conduct workshops on multiple topics, including the mechanics of mediumship. My goal and purpose is really to help you to step into your divine purpose by integrating the spiritual principles with the physical world. Welcome to the Heartfelt Medium Show. Today we have a special guest that was pre-recorded and I wanted to share it with you all because it's a very difficult subject for a lot of people. My friend Marta Franco Young and I wanted to provide a just having a conversation. She lost her daughter five years ago and I want to apologize in advance the quality of the audio on this. I, 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 had, I was having technical difficulties, but we certainly couldn't re-record it. And this is a very tough subject where it's for women who have lost a child. And Marta has experienced deep pain over this, like all women, and it leaves a hole in your heart. But the reason we recorded it and her and I did this is because both of us are committed to the wholeness of people. Marta is a fitness instructor and has owned her own business and she was a restaurant owner. So I wanted to share her story for the benefit of others and our goal is for healing. I don't know if full healing can occur, but if you listen to Marta's perspective, you will be amazed and maybe there's a way to navigate some of this. She talks about some of the thoughts that she had and not going there and what created healing for her. So I'm hoping that this podcast, even though the quality of audio is not that great, that you'll find it helpful and a way out of your situation where you can start to go on living again. Take a listen. Well, we're here at the Heartfelt Medium Show. I'm Rochelle Gaiman, and I'm so excited that I have Marta Franco-Young here with us today. We thank you, Marta, for coming. This is just so great that you've agreed to do this. So, you know, one of the reasons that I've chosen to, I've really chosen this topic, and I've run into many women that are challenged by losing a child. And I even know a woman that lost two children. And, and then I, my cousin lost a child. It's been really on my heart to learn about not only the grieving process, but how do people go on? And you know, Marta, one of the things that I just so admire about you is the fact that you really, first of all, took the bull by the horns and did whatever you could possibly do to heal. And this has been a really tough journey. And it's been a journey, it's been a spiritual journey for you, and I know that. And I have the utmost respect and care. And anytime I have a woman in front of me that loses a child, I go to this place like I only get to I only get to touch the hem of the garment because I be an empathic. I can feel what they're feeling and I feel the pain. But I don't live it every single day. I'm only living it in that moment. And so I guess, you know, can you tell us a little bit about, about Lily? She had an illness, right? Can you tell us a little bit about what you went through as a parent and then, and then leading up to when she passed? Sure. Um, Lily was born 
at 25 and a half weeks, she was a preemie. She, from the second she was born, she was this energy of love and light. And even the doctor said, oh my gosh, I can't believe she is doing, her APGAR scores are so great, even though she's so young and she's so little. Um, oh my gosh, look at her go. I can't believe that she's this little, but she's breathing on her own all these things. So from the second she was born, although I was so afraid because I didn't, I didn't know if she was going to live, I didn't know what was going to happen. I'd never experienced a premature birth. I was okay with it because she was a life and she was mine. So moving forward, she was in the NICU in the needle natal intensive care unit for from November to April. We lived in the NICU with multiple surgeries, heart surgery, three days post being birth to brain bleeds and to being on ventilators at high levels of input and output because she couldn't do life on her own yet. Her skin being so translucent that and having no fat on her body that you could literally see her organs and they would put petroleum jelly in a plastic baggie over her to help create heat because she didn't have any fat. So when you don't have fat, you can't create heat. So all these things, but through it all, she kept moving, she kept going, she kept making, you know, teaching, showing. And of course, to me, as long as she didn't give up, I wasn't going to either. So, um, she, so from age of birth to five, we spent all those years either in a, the children's unit at the hospital here in town, or we spent it at the PICU, the Pediatric Intensive Care Unit at U of M. So, with her brother and I, sometimes her brother would be with me, sometimes he wouldn't. And through that, she probably had, probably had about 40 procedures. So, wow. surgeries. Yeah. Anyways. Wow, that's amazing. You know, Marta, one of the things that you said that kind of hit home for me, too, is that she was teaching. Mm -hmm. That's what our children do for us. When I think about my son, I never knew my capacity to love until I had a child. And it was like, wow, this is what it is. This, I mean, it's something you do instinctively. All of a sudden, you know, you're just like... In they, love. Yeah, you're in love with your child. Everything that they do, the smile, the way that they hear water for the first time, you know, and they're like, oh, you know, and they get so excited about little things and, you know, or the, the kitty or the dog, and they just get really excited. And you get to experience life again through their eyes. Mm -hmm. That's so precious and so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Now, she had some issues with her intestines. Is that right? 
Yeah, she had issues. Her her main issue was that she was so little, they're born without any um, lungs, with fully developed lungs. Right. So right off the bat, they become dependent on some type of artificial respiration. So she was on she was on a res uh, respirator for a long, long time. And then after we got out of the hospital the first time in June, so she was seven months old, she was trached. So her initial issue was her airway. She wasn't able to, her airway was floppy. So she wasn't able to breathe either without assistance of some type of respirator, whether it was a CPAP or a BiPAP or, and then she wasn't able to go home without being on a trach and we wanted to go home so they traked her. But then by the age of five she was decannulated which means that she was strong enough to take the trach out and breathe without any assistance. So for the first five years that was our life, trying to figure out how to help her breathe on her own without being traked and without any kind of oxygen or any kind of other assistance. So it was funny because she didn't care. She did all the normal things. We played at the beach, which you never want a kid with a trach around water because if they aspirate water, you know, they can drown. But she didn't care. She had a couple of major like 11 hour procedures to try to reconstruct the airway so she couldn't eat anything by mouth when she was three for eight months. So wow, we would sneak and eat our meals without her watching because we couldn't give her anything. She was tube fed for probably the first five years of her life. So she had a button in her belly and her stomach and we would tube feed her. Yeah, that but was, she yeah. didn't care. Yeah. We, and it took an army of us, not just me, it took an army of nurses, grandparents, aunts, uncles, her father to, you know, make it all happen. That is amazing. That is just a mirror. And, and she was such a bright light. Always. Yeah, I mean, she just beamed. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed was immediately with, for example, my dog Maya, that she just loved her. I mean, she was... It seems like sometimes with these children that actually pass, and this is what I've noticed, is that there's such a beam of light, you know, and it's like they're perfect in, in, in the essence of their being. And certainly I know Lily was like that. She was just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So take me through, and I know that you had a bond with her because she didn't leave your side. You know, you were with her so much and your whole life was wrapped around her. Mm -hmm. Well, when you have a child, and I'm sure if other parents that are hearing this that have a child with a chronic illness or challenge, you don't leave their side because you learn about them, you are their advocate. Yeah. You want what they want, what you think is a normal life. So that's what they want. And you want to give that to them because you're their parent. So you... You stay awake at night and you read the back of the label of the medication that they're given or you learn about how to feed them so that they can eat and not choke on something and you know you learn about their challenges and you help them with their challenges because you want them to because you want them to overcome their challenges and you want them as much as you you don't want to do you know two feeds during the night you want them to be as normal as possible mm -hmm. right yeah you want that for well them. it's almost like you had to become an expert almost like 
a medical doctor, knowing all these things, watching her not only as a patient but as a mother and knowing all of these things and what was wrong and just being fully connected. Well, yeah, we were. And that was the cool part is that we were fully connected to each other. She would, she always knew when I was in a bad mood or I needed something because she would, she would verbally say something. Hey, mom, are you okay? Or hey, mom, I love you. Or mom, breathe. Mom, just breathe. It's going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, she would be telling me this all the time. Her coming out of surgeries or her coming out of, you know, anesthesia. Hey, mom, breathe. I think. <laughs> so she was teaching you. Yeah, always. I've heard a lot about from people the trajectory of life and having that expectation of high school graduations and college graduations and seeing this person married and they're not going to go to their prom and all the things that are things that life brings all of us and the traditions that we go through. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Can you talk a little bit about that and what you went through? And is that, or maybe that's part of the first year after losing her and, and, and maybe you can talk about what happened there. It seems like they always pass when we're not there. Can you take us to that moment? Sure. There's a lot of great questions that you just asked me in that one phrase. And I, first I'll start with, she passed away at the age of 17 and she passed away in Kansas City. And that's was 12 hours away from where we live, mm -hmm. Yeah, I wanna say. And she passed away five days after her 17th birthday. And later in a dream that I had, I had asked her, why she passed away so far away, why she died so far away from me. And she told me that it was because I would have never let her die. So the second I heard that, I thought, you're damn straight, damn right. I would have never let, that would have never happened under my watch. Although now that I understand it, I understand that she was ready to go and I needed to let that happen. So that's how it happened. The other really important part that I want I would love for people to understand eventually is that when I wallowed in the whatnots, I don't get to, you know, see her graduate from high school. I don't get to see her date. I don't get to have her be married. I don't get to meet her babies. When I wallowed in that place, it was a place of deep sadness and despair and eventually so much pity, self-pity, that I, to me, that was a dark place, and it was a place that I didn't enjoy going to, and that I learned that for me, I didn't need to go there, because when I went there, it was a dark place, and it wasn't a place of light, and it wasn't a place of love, and it wasn't a place of honoring all that she gave us for 17 years. What I focus on is the goodness that she gave us for 17 years. What we have versus what we don't have, nor will have. Yeah. So, yeah, I've thought about it, although to me it was a waste of my time. Yeah. And so, I don't go there. I Do I think about it sometimes? Yes, because I have a stepdaughter and she's about to get married, but I don't think, oh, poor me, you know, I'll never get to see Lily get married. Instead, I think, you know what? rejoice and be really happy for Tegan she's getting married and that is where her life is taking her Lily's life did not take her there and maybe it is in another life or somewhere else I'm sure it is 
but I couldn't I couldn't stay in I couldn't stay in that darkness because that darkness didn't help me live yeah one of the things that I channeled when I connected with a child was spirit said trajectory of life is an expectation expectations fool the heart and will cause the loss of one's soul and I memorized that because a lot of times we have this expectation about life you said to me recently when I was challenged by some of the things that I was going through with my son for example that I got hurt by something that he said and we worked it out things kind of changed one of the things that you said to me Rochelle they're not our kids we have them for a little bit but they're not ours and that this is his life and you referred to it as Lily's life and this is what she went through but whatever she was dealt she found light in all that and that is the cool thing and to focus on all the good things while she was here I know that I just touched the hem of the garment by having that moment where I felt like I was going to lose my son but also I think we put a lot of joy in our children and sometimes we don't take the time to look at the pain that we might have and so when they are gone we can actually then start looking at some of the pain that maybe we disguised because they brought us so much joy and love and we just put so much into that her passing is definitely the most painful heartbreaking event thing experience I've ever had in my life I was so mad at God because we watch TV and we think that when you die it's this bed of roses you know they're laying in the bed and you're laying at their bedside and you're holding their hand and it's like Hollywood does a really good job of making death seems so easy and it's twofold it is easy although it is so hard to physically let go mm-hmm because when she passed she was smiling and to me I interpreted it as her being very at peace and very okay with where she was and where she was going and what had happened and I was I was like like a bat <laughs> everywhere I was okay for a second and I was devastated the next in the next breath although yeah later I understood that um, she's only gone physically she's not gone spiritually she's not gone as an energy mm-hmm. and I really believe that we are an energy yeah you know? yeah so um, so what you're saying is it kind of took you on this spiritual journey oh yeah through through that process the one thing that keeps coming to mind for me is that you said something year two is the worst Yes. And I don't mean to focus on this because what I want to do is give women your right at the right spot. If you're in year two, yeah. what you went through so you can validate <coughs> women and then how you started living again. 
Well, first of all, um, what helped me a lot was you. Aww. You helped me a lot. Um, but I also had the the gift of two moms that had lost their children in with similar being a chronically ill child their whole life reached out to me and they helped reassure me that everything that I was feeling was normal and that I was going to be okay if I chose to breathe. Mm -hmm. So yeah, year one was super tough because you don't have them anymore, you miss them, you're angry, people are trying to tell you to get, um, over, get it. over it, to be okay, that time that, that you will Next year at this time, you'll feel different. And in the reality, the second year was hard because the first year, you're just trying to get yourself up every day and moving every day and being okay every day with everything that you have and finding little pockets of gratitude that helped me tremendously. Did, in that process right then, did you ever suffer where you had a moment of joy and then felt guilty right after that because you experienced some type of, oh, I, I'm breathing, I'm feeling good, and then you would go back? Because I know some women do feel, you know, like they won't allow themselves to be happy. <clears throat> so, um, I don't know if this is an R-rated show or not. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. No, this is a podcast. Go but for it. But this is where I'm going with it because... Um, <laughs> It's, it's the truth. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't bring myself to have um, sex with my husband. Uh, I just felt that I shouldn't feel and I couldn't feel. So the very first time, I don't know if I hate to say it, it was probably six or eight weeks after she passed that we had sex. And for a split second, I let I allowed myself to feel so deeply. And immediately I pulled back because I thought I should not feel this good and this bad at the same time. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, um, sex was great, although <laughs> I felt like I shouldn't go there any yeah. anymore. Yeah. I shouldn't do this because I felt like, uh, yeah, that's that happiness, that kind of self-happiness shouldn't be allowed. Uh-huh. And so often during that first year, people would say to me, oh my God, you're doing so good. You're out here. You're enjoying life. You know, I'm so proud of you. And in that split second, I would turn around and say, gosh, maybe I should, maybe I should look like I'm super sad. But then I would hear Lily tell me, she would say, no, mom, be happy. Show them show them that you can honestly be happy and honor me moving forward. That's so wonderful. So, um, the one thing that I'm thinking of is that there was also a point where you were rageful or angry. And I remember you describing this and it's like, don't tell me how to feel. You haven't gone through what I've gone through, but yet there was a woman that I think that her son was murdered, right? Right. And what did she say to you in that moment? And the, the reason I bring that up is because I can't say that to a person because I haven't lost anybody. I don't have the right, okay? And that's the way that I feel. But there's something that she said to you in that moment. 
it was something to the effect of, are you going to go on and just be angry like this and rageful? Or are you going to get yourself out of it? Something to that effect. If you don't remember, that's fine. <clears throat> I don't remember. I do know that anger is like a drug, especially when you've lost your child because nobody understands. Your friends don't understand. Right. Your friends are constantly telling you to look at the bright side and look at the bright side. And you have this dagger in your heart. And the dagger is laced with love and hatred. And hatred for the simple fact that things didn't happen the way you planned them to happen. So the hatred isn't necessarily, how do I explain it? The hatred is the guilt that you feel for everything that you should have done but you didn't do. Although if you can understand that you did exactly what you were meant to do with everything that you had, it helps dissipate that anger, angry feeling and turn more into the love. Yeah. But you're right, it's very hard to hear people tell you what to do when they have not experienced at the level that you have or you think you have. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm very cautious when someone comes to me and I really turn to spirit and try to bring their child in because I don't believe that, I know that year one sucks and but year two is even worse because you realize you said something to me about year two you finally realize that they're not coming back right. and you've got to figure out how to go forward yeah so Lily was 17 and Joe was 27 my son when she passed away and a little bit after she passed away he came to me and he told me mom you gotta let me go and I thought what are you talking about? And it was a little bit after that, that's when I had that dream with Lily telling me that the reason why she died so far away from me was that because I was never gonna let her go. So that's when I understood that they're not ours. All we can do for them is love them. Truly accept them as they are and, yeah. and continue to love them. And in year two, I'm pretty sure this happened in about year two because that's when I understood that she wasn't coming back. I started to understand that I had to stop being so angry. I had to embrace all my blessings and see what I had have in front of me. Let her be. Let her rest in peace. That I would continue to share a relationship with her only if I could understand that I am a part of them and they are a part of me and that we aren't that I'm not her controller, I'm not his controller. I just get to be a part of it all. And you know, Marta, that really helped me because you're one of the first persons I called when I had a situation. I was becoming so introspective about my son and having that life and how we were so close. And all of a sudden I felt like we weren't close anymore. And you said to me, they're not ours. They're doing their thing. Did you want to be around your parents when you were doing your thing? Yeah. You know, and it's like, yeah, I guess I get it. And I just have to stop giving advice and all that. And I just got to love him. Mm -hmm. And and that's, he wants me to be his mom. Right. So my role then in that moment changed. Mm -hmm. And your role in the moment that Lily passed and as you've gone through the healing, it became a more spiritual relationship versus a physical one. Right. There's so many things I've learned along the way 
the, again, another hard part was understanding that Marta was a person, and although Lily had gone, Marta was still her mom. Yeah. People ask you, how many kids do you have? And in that instant, you think, do I say two, or do I say one? Oh. So, I would say two, because I have two, and I still feel I have two, even though one isn't here on earth, yeah. I have two children. So that was huge. And then they would say, oh yeah, you know, what did they do? And you'd think, oh shit. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. How do I, what do I say? So I'd say the truth, you know, one is here and lives nearby and the other one is here, but is here and there. <laughs> well, that's really good. Or, so, uh, yeah, so. So year two was really tough and, and it was very dark. Now you're in what? Are you in year three? No, I'm going in until year five. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So year five in November. And I still miss her. I still I still think of her. I still hear from her. I still connect with her. I've learned to sit with her. And in the sense of, I love being outside. I love being in nature. It brings me so much peace. And it allows me to breathe. It allows me to be okay, especially in those moments of heartache. Um, I, yeah, get to breathe. The other thing that might be hard, what about her physical things? What about her room? I know that you moved, but, but I know some women in year two, the husband starts selling off things or whatever, and they're, it just kills them. Yeah. So we decided... I had this really cool friend who helped me through this. Lily loved school. Lily loved everything about school. Lily loved everything about her friends and school and being social. So when we moved, she came to me and said, hey, there's this program at school that provides clothes, shoes, physical things like that for young girls who don't have it. We donated a lot, almost all of her things to that program. We bought a treasure chest, like a trunk, mm -hmm. that because she was gonna go to college, so we bought a trunk like you would send off to college and we filled the trunk with what I thought were her most precious things. And everything else went somewhere because she was always giving things. She was always giving of her things. Even though I was like, wait a minute, I just bought you that coat. Where did it go? Well, so-and-so <laughs> didn't have one. I gave it to them. And I'd be like, oh, okay, yeah. here we go. So that brought me a lot of peace, knowing that we were helping someone else. And what was the timing of that? Was that year two, year one? No, it was actually year one. Uh huh. So she died in November and we moved in February. Okay. And so I couldn't, I was having such a hard time parting with any of her things. But again, when I was told that these things would help other young girls like her, go for it. She would want that. She would want that, yeah, because she yeah. was always giving things away. Yeah. That is such a wonderful yeah. story. She loved her things, don't get me wrong. Like she was a normal 17 year old. She wanted her Uggs and she wanted her, you know, name brand things. But at the same time, if somebody needed it, she didn't care. She would give it away. So um, that was super helpful, getting involved in the first year, in the second year especially, getting involved in with how to help even the kids that were her friends that were moving forward or how to be 
part of an organization that would help teens or even in the hospital, being involved with the children's special health care services that help these kids cope, help these kids feel normal because, you know, living in and out of hospitals is not normal. It is normal to some, but it's not normal to most. So what did you do? I know that you've done a lot of things like when you celebrate her birthday, but didn't you form a, a some type, I don't know if it was a charity, but it was some type of foundation for Lily a little bit to keep her memory going forward. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yep, it's called the Lily Strong Fund. And all it is, it's a, a pay it forward with kindness. So I think there's a day in November, and I want to say it's like November 28th, which is actually the day she passed away, which is the kindness awareness day. And all we do is, I have these little cards, and it's on Facebook too if you want to tag it or hashtag it. But it's just doing a random act of kindness. Mm -hmm. And it's a random act of kindness. It doesn't have to be money. It doesn't have to be anything like that. It could be opening a door for someone. It could be, even in these times, <laughs> now that we're challenged with COVID, it could just be something as simple as being okay with where you are but there's every time we donate we'll give somebody $50 or we'll give somebody or we'll I'll buy somebody's food I mean people do it all the time like where you're at the Starbucks or wherever you are I just buy the next person's and I'll just leave that little card saying please pay it forward mm -hmm. so we've always we've done that ever since she passed every year for her birthday we do something where because her birthday is around Thanksgiving we always buy meals for people and even prepare them if they need to be prepared. Or somebody will find me and say, hey, don't you do meals for people? And I'll say yes. And I'll, so what do you want? Do you want me to buy you the food? Or do you want me to cook you the food? Or how do you want, how can I help? And we do that every year, stuff like that. So Marta, going forward, how are you living? Do you still feel like you have this hole in your heart? Tell me about now that you're in five years. I'm sure you still have your moments. Oh yeah. <laughs> they don't go away. I've learned to move forward with um, just being okay. Just being okay to just be okay. Be okay wherever I'm at. Five year, year five means that I understand where she is. I understand she's happy. I understand that she's taught me to embrace who I am and understand that we are all we are all okay with who we are like we are all who we are and that's okay and it's actually wonderful it's helped me understand that I need to love myself and I don't necessarily need to love everybody else but I just need to be uh, respectful I need to continue serving others that brings me a lot of peace I need to serve them in a way that I'm not disservicing myself. I get that. So you're doing it from a place of wholeness of who you are. Yeah. And if you had to reflect on this, is there a life message for you? I know there's multiple blessings. And I don't know if you can really say there's one thing. I find that women that have gone through this are so strong. And I have such ultimate respect for them to go through this because it's something that not everyone can really I mean you go through it but is there something some type of message and was it about where your child loved you so much that if you could see the essence of 
who you are and the love that they had for you? Or was there something where you saw something in yourself? Can you talk about that? I mean, is there something there that was that made you more and added to you as, as a human being, I guess? I think the word that comes to mind is namaste. Yeah. It's taught me, her death has taught me to honor myself, my love, my light, my greatness, as I honor and see yours. Yeah. Wow, that's profound. But it really, I mean, I mean it with everything. Because we forget when we, I feel like when we become a mother, although to me it is one of the greatest, if not the greatest gift, we forget who we are. We transform into this, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do all these things for my child to make my child happy. And in the course of it, I forget who I am. Mm -hmm. I don't see who I am. I don't like who I am. Right. Because I forget me. Because I forgot me. Yeah. So in this course of time, I've had to look at who I am. And I think for the first time in my life, I've actually said, I love who I am. Yeah. So to me, namaste is I honor your greatness as I see my greatness. That's wonderful. Oh my gosh, Marta, that is so special. That is so wonderful. Thank you so much for today. I'm so grateful. I'm just hoping that you and I together can create wholeness, healing, guidance, reassurance for the women that are going through this today. And I'm so grateful for you to share your story. I know it wasn't easy. This is not easy. This is not an easy road for any woman to to go through. And I have the utmost respect for you, Marta. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love you. I love you 